0: Um, turn with me to John 12:47. We don't have sermons in the youth. We have the kids, every child or youth, they're not really children, every youth that comes in there, every youth that comes in there prays, They read scripture. It was so good Wednesday night. You guys would just be so blessed, but I'll never do it if you could see a videotape of what goes on in there because it's just such a blessing because um, we hadn't read a lot of scriptures because we were answering questions and we always go back to the word, whatever it is. And um, we hadn't read a whole lot of it extra scriptures on wednesday night so i said okay y'all let's read some scriptures uh pick out your favorite verse every one of them in in a moment's time pulled out their bibles and started reading their favorite verse of scripture and it was so anointed you could feel the anointing coming there with your kids and i have seen and i have heard testimonies about how they're changing and about how good god has been to them and things happening in their life and uh i'm telling you if you got one of them at home how many of you in here have you yeah look at that and uh They they are a blessing, treat them as such. I'm telling you, they are. So uh, look with me then at John 12, 47, in the King James Version. It says, if any man hear my words and believe not, what does the next part say? Read that with me. I I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Uh, some of you are looking at the screen. Does anybody in here need a Bible? I forget to do what Keith does. If you don't have a Bible, it's real good to look at these scriptures for yourself. Um, if you would, just raise your hand and um, they'll get you a Bible. He that rejects me and receives not my words hath one that judges him. The word that I have spoken... The same shall judge him in the last day. So Jesus himself is not judging. Look at the Amplified. They'll put it up on the screen for me. James 47 and 48. If anyone hears my teachings and fails to observe them and does not keep them but disregards them, it is not I who judges them for I have not come to judge the world or condemn the world or to pass sentence or to inflict penalty on the world, but to what? Save Save the Christians? Okay, save the world. Okay? Anyone who rejects me and persistently sets me at naught, refuses to accept my teachings, um, has his judge, however, for the very message that I have spoken will itself judge and convict him in the last day. So... We as Christians, are we to judge the world before we go any further? Yeah. So that already answers part of our question. Are we to judge them? We have over the last few weeks, even in emails, it's like it's, it's this thing that's come up lately about should Christians fellowship with sinners? And everybody gets quiet on that. But you, what does Keith say about your opinion about something? Where's the scripture for it? Do we base anything on tradition or do we base anything on our opinion? What do we base our beliefs on? The Word. And all of our lives we've heard, um, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. We've heard all these, but we need to hear the other side of it too. So that's what we're going to do this morning. So let's look at what the Scriptures would say. Turn with me to Luke 5.30. This question, question came up in an email the other day, didn't it, Susan? Should, um, should, uh, let's see, what was it? Should uh, I have a friend that's a, a different denomination? Correct? You know, should I fellowship with him? And uh, they're a different denomination. And that came out in our meeting the other night, in in the youth. It was um, we got we got far beyond whether we should even fellowship with Christians. It came out just a little bit about. Um, well, you know what? It's even hard to fellowship with somebody that don't go to our church. Well, they got into that. And, and, you know, the more you thought about it, um, What they were saying kind of made sense at the time, and the Lord really chastened me about it because they were saying, you know, you can't even... I was talking to somebody about our vision list, and they don't know what a vision list is, so you don't really have anything to fellowship with them around. I was talking to them about faith. They don't know what faith is, so I don't have anything to fellowship with them around. And they went on and on about a list of things speaking in tongues. You know, if they don't come to church here or something, then they don't know anything about that. Is that okay? Is it okay? Let's keep looking. Let's keep looking. Um... Luke 5:30 But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against the disciples saying why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners And who answered yes. Jesus answered and said unto them They that are whole need not a physician but they that are sick I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I know Keith Friday night mentioned the story about I worked secular jobs for years. And uh, I was in the capacity of hiring and firing and uh, training and just overseeing the staff in a doctor's office for years. And uh, I would always look at the people's qualifications above whether they were saved or not and i know the room got real quiet on me but i looked at their qualifications i can get somebody uh, saved i can't make them know how to write a book i can't make them know how to work on an engine on a car i can't make them know how to do computers now the holy ghost can don't get me wrong But at that point in time, we were needing an x-ray tech. Okay? We were needing an x-ray tech. You know, and uh, so I'm going to hire, there's two people that come in. And I'm going to interview them both. And uh, I'm going to look at this one's qualifications. They're saved. They're filled with the Holy Ghost. They love God with all their heart, soul, and mind. Then I've got a sinner over here. A sinner over here that doesn't know God. But they've got skills beyond, way beyond anybody that we've interviewed. Y'all are awful quiet. Y'all, y'all are going to say, prove this to me. Prove it to me. Just hang on to your chairs. Hang on to your seats. We'll be alright. Keith will see it. Don't worry. People get concerned that Keith, she's saying something Keith don't like. Help, Lord, for that person. (laughs) Believe you me, my husband knows everything I do. He knows this story. He was telling it Friday night for those of you who are here. So I hired the person that had the skill. I didn't hire the person that was saved. The person that was saved couldn't even get to work on time. She said she had a spirit of slumber. (laughs) And could we please cast it out of her? That was the Christian. The sinner was always to work on time because they needed the money. Their job was important to them. So I hired the sinner. Well, she was messed up. Who knows? She could be watching today. She was messed up. Her family was messed up. She was separated. Her husband was dealing drugs. Had a chop shop. I mean, messed up. Messed up. It wasn't six months. The husband was gone. The chop shop was gone. The other things was gone. She saved and on church on the front row, raising her hands and praising and worshiping God. Now, what if I'd have hired the, the Christian? Who'd have been the witness in that girl's life at this time of turmoil in her life? Who'd have been the catalyst to the, to the person that was able to turn her around and get her feet going in the right direction? Have you ever prayed, Father, send laborers across my family member's path? You ever prayed that? Could you be the laborer that somebody else has prayed for? Absolutely. Absolutely. So Y'all want some more scripture, okay? Let's go ahead and let's look at 1 Corinthians 5. I don't want to tell you anything unless there's scripture to base it on. People say, don't fellowship with with fornicators. Don't fellowship with adulterers. Don't fellowship with cheaters and stealers and liars. Don't do it. Okay? Find a verse. I found you one, but I'll tell you what it says. 1 Corinthians 5, 9. I don't have to turn. I cheat. I put them all on my paper so I don't have to stand still. I wrote unto you in an epistle, not to company with fornicators. Now, there's all most people know. They didn't read what was before it, and they didn't read what was behind it. It says, Verse 9, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Yet, now this is in the Bible too, right? Not altogether with fornicators of this world or with covetous or with extortioners or with idolaters. For then, what? We must needs go out of the world. But... There's that big word. Everybody say but. But "But now I have written unto you not to keep company with who? Any man that calls himself a brother and he be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner with such one do not eat. For what have I to do To judge them that are without and judge them that are within. But them that are without, God judges the sinner. Uh, Therefore, put away uh, from among yourselves that wicked person. Well, that gets a little bit confusing to me sometimes in the King James. Let's read something else from the Amplified. And look at it up here on the screen if you don't have an Amplified. Not meaning, of course, that you must altogether shun the immoral people of this world or greedy gaspers, or cheats, or thieves, or idolaters, since otherwise you would need to get out of the world and human society altogether. But now I write to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name, what? Christian brother, if he is known to be guilty of a moral greed, Or is an idolater whose soul is devoted to an object that usurps the place of God? Or is a person with a what? A foul tongue, a railing, abusing, reviling, slandering, a drunkard, a swindler, a robber? Listen to the next sentence. No, you must not so much as eat with such a person. Uh Uh-oh. Everybody's going to have to eat by themselves today. Um, because I got news for you. There's Christians everywhere that um, have a foul tongue. There's Christians everywhere that say railing accusations about people. They're abusive and reviling, they slander other people. That, I mean, I've seen Christians gossip. Have y'all ever seen one? I've seen it. Uh, I've seen Christians get drunk. I've seen swindlers and Christians. They call themselves Christians and they're putting together this big money deal. And all they are is Christian shysters with a dove on the back of their car. That's the next word is what comes up to mind with that, right? Robbers. So uh, I guess we'll all eat by ourselves today, right? No, no. Um, let me read it to you from the Message Bible. Now, this it, it calls itself a Bible, and I'm not going to put it down, but it's, it takes lots of liberties, you know. It takes lots of um, freedoms in itself to um, express things sometimes, but this was pretty good. Um, 1 Corinthians 5 says, um, I wrote to you in my earlier letter that you should not make yourselves at home among the sexually promiscuous I didn't mean that you should have nothing at all to do with outsiders of that sort or with crooks or with whether blue or white collar or with spiritual phonies, for that matter. You've had you'd have to leave the world entirely to do that. But I am saying that you shouldn't act as if everything is just fine when one of your Christian companions is promiscuous or crooked or is flippant with God or is rude to its friends or it gets drunk or becomes greedy you can't just go along with this, treating it like it's acceptable behavior. I'm not responsible for what outsiders do, and I, but I do but don't believe we have, responsible for those, have responsibility for those who are within our communities, our community of believers. God decides on the outsiders, but we need to decide on our brothers and sisters who are out of line, and if necessary, clean house. That's saying a lot, isn't it? saying a lot so in reading these things i got to thinking about it a little bit and i got to thinking you know um if we did that do you know that sinners judge us all the time do you know why you know people that are not saved because they know people that are saved So many times we put on what I call our spiritual hat and we get around our friends and we get around our church people and um, we're Christians. But then when we go through the drive through and they give us five dollars extra, we forget about being a Christian. Or if somebody overcharges us on a phone bill, uh oh, look out. We give them a piece of our mind. Or if uh, a family member doesn't do what you want to do and they uh, take everything when mama dies. You give them a piece of your mind, slander and all these other things. So the world is judging us daily. Are they not? Have you ever heard someone in the world say something about a Christian? Ever? Ever? I know there's a situation, a young lady that um, she got into a mess. And um, this guy that was in the world convinced her to have sexual relations with him. She was a Christian. The moment it was all said and done, he said, I knew that Christian thing didn't mean anything. The moment it was done, that was his response to her. I knew that Christian thing didn't mean anything. Should there be a difference between us and the world? Should there be ever that we have to put someone out of church because they, are, they have a foul tongue? Uh, railing, abusive, reviling, slandering. I mean, what does slandering mean? Putting somebody down, talking about somebody, making them look bad to somebody else. It would be like us as a church. Um, it would be like us saying, That church over there, they don't know God. We are the only ones that know God. So you have to come here. It'd be just that simple. Because that's making you have form an opinion of this church that you know nothing about. So, um, as the world judges us, and we're judging the world, who's loving anybody to get them saved? What are some things that the world does? How do sinners act? Y'all do like a, a youth thing. Yell some things out that you've seen sinners do. Cuss, drink, fornicate, drugs, lie. Uh oh gangsters robbers cheats murderers i've got some down here they act loud they act full of pride they always have to kind of have the floor you know they backstab when they want another position on the job you ever seen one backstab they have affairs they get drunk and they act crazy they lie they cheat they steal they use the lord's name in vain they smoke They go to bad movies. That they see things that they shouldn't see. They're gluttons. Uh oh. Are we talking? Who are we talking about? Who who are we talking about? Who who fell into that category? No Christian has ever taken home a pad of sticky pads from their employer. No Christians ever done personal business during work time. No Christians ever lied about one of their employees or stabbed him in the back to get a promotion. No Christians ever robbed anybody. Um, and you know, oh, you know, they meant to give me an extra ticket. I'll just take one. They they really meant to. Who who is that? Is there a difference between the two? Now what are we supposed to do? If we see a Christian brother that calls himself a brother, what are we supposed to do if we see those things? That said, clean house. Kick him out. I don't want to kick anybody out. It's serious stuff, isn't it? Do you see why that the world has been so judgmental of the church? Because there is absolutely well not everybody. Let me make a, an adjustment there. Not everybody is that way. You do have true Solid people that, that don't do anything. When situations arise, they make the right choices. And whether you know it or not, as Christians, you are tested, God's not doing it, but the devil's doing it, and you are tested every single day of your life as to whether you make a God choice or a world choice. And every time you make those choices, who's watching? We can fudge this just a little bit on our taxes. Who'll know? We can say we made this, but we really made this. Who'll know? What is that called? And what else? Cheating, Cheating and stealing and robbing. Fraud. There's got to be a difference between us and them. Um, look, at, look at Romans 2. This, I'm telling you, it got in me after Wednesday night. The Lord has been for days dealing with my heart about this. And I really wasn't planning on teaching on this. I had been studying on something else. And um, the Lord said, no, this is serious stuff. We at Faith Life Church, never, you won't ever see us get up and say, um, we had this many people at church this morning. Glory to God. And people want to know why we don't do that. Why we don't tell out how many numbers there are. Can anybody take a gander as to why? Two things are happening then. You're comparing yourself with someone else, which the Bible says is unwise. Or you're proud that you're bigger than someone else. Or you're proud that you've grown faster than someone else. When anybody that's got any brain in their head can realize... Keith and Phyllis Moore, Dave Vaughn, Faith Life Church staff, More Life Ministry staff could not have done this. So wh- where would the pride come in? Shouldn't. Shouldn't. And that's the way it should be with you. I mean, people are constantly looking at things to compare themselves with other people. We should be comparing ourselves with the Lord. We've got a long way to go, is the way I see it. You know, we ain't nowhere yet. So uh, we should be building ourselves, you know, like he, what he was saying, 50% of the people they deal with are, are wanting to move to Faith Life Church. And if that happens, uh, you all are going to have to go to work, you know, because we're going to have to handle them all. But look at Romans 2. We have judged the world because they're doing things that they shouldn't be doing. On a continual basis. Do you know what it means to judge? Form an opinion of something. You've formed an opinion that this person is bad or this person is no good or this person is a sinner. Well, you know the difference between you and a sinner? little short word. G-O-D. That's the only difference. That God enlightened your eyes to see that you needed him. And they haven't seen it yet. He had mercy on you and enlightened your eyes that you could see it. And they haven't seen it yet. Light is the difference. That you got light in Revelation and they hadn't got it yet. That's the difference. Look at Romans 2. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whoever thou art that judges. For wherein thou judge another, you condemn yourself. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, what does the next part say? For thou that judges, does us. Now, that's Phyllis Moore talking, right? That can't be Bible. Is it in your Bible? Yeah, it was in mine too. It was in mine too. Let's look at it from the Amplified. Therefore, you have no excuse or defense or justification, oh man... Whoever you are who judges and condemns another. For in poising as judge and passing sentence on another, you condemn yourself. Because you who judge are habitually, that means continuously, that means doing it continuously, practicing, practicing means you're doing it over and over again. Didn't mean you did it one time. The very same things that you censor and denounce. That's scripture. I'm not making it up as I go along. So every time that you judge your relative for not going to church, what's happening? You're going, but maybe you're not getting anything out of it, or maybe you're just going to say you went. Look at I'm going to read to you from the Message Bible again. Like I say, some of this is good, some of it's not. So if you ever read one, make sure you know the other words so you can compare it to it. Those people are on a downward spiral. But if you think, now listen to this. If you think that leaves you on high ground where you can point your finger at others, think again. Every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of of escaping and detecting in your own crimes and misdemeanors. In other words, you're not looking at yourself. But God isn't so easily diverted. He sees right through all such smoke screens and holds you to what you've done. You didn't think that just by you pointing your finger at others, you would distract God from seeing all your misdoings and from coming down on you hard. Or did you think that because he's such a nice God, he'd let you off the hook? Better think this one through from the beginning. God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Do you see it? Do you get the point behind it? If you're, what's happening in your life, is if you're judging someone else. It happens all the time at work. The boss doesn't do something you like, so you get with the coworkers and start talking about what he didn't do that you didn't like. And you're judging him. But all the while, you're doing the exact same thing. It happens in a family. Why doesn't my brother or sister get in church and believe God for their finances? Well, you may not not be doing it on your finances, but you may be sick in your body and the same thing's going on. It's difficult if you're judging someone else to be looking at yourself. I know, I have a full-time job judging me. Full-time, keeping me in track. Full-time, keeping my mouth, you wouldn't imagine that though, right? From saying something and doing something that it shouldn't do. What happens is people say, did you see that? Did you see what they did? You know they'll go to hell for that. They'll go to hell for that. Did you see that person with that orange hair? And all those tattoos all over their body? Don't you know they'll go to hell for that? Uh Uh-oh. Look at Luke 19. Did you see that person talking about their mother that way? Or being disrespectful to their mom. Luke 19, verse 21. It's talking about the talents, the man with the talents and stuff. Actually, look at verse 22. Um, He's saying that he was an austere man and he sowed where he didn't, he reaped where he didn't sow. But verse 22. And he said unto him, Out of your own mouth will I judge thee. Out of your own mouth you'll be judged. And it's so, so important that you put a zipper on that mouth like we tell the kids. Or close that little bubble and don't say something you shouldn't. Because what happens then when you judge them for doing or saying something wrong, what happens? You get judged immediately. It comes back on you. So this is not a just picking on the world situation. This is a looking out for me situation. This is not just picking on my Christian brother or sister because they're doing something wrong. It's a looking out for me situation and checking my heart. Look at John 7. Verse 21. They were all hanging around and complaining because Jesus had done something on the Sabbath day. So they were accusing him of doing something that they thought wasn't right. Verse 24, look at it. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Is it possible that you could see someone doing things that you could not know the significance behind it? And you put a judgment on it before you knew what was going on. Is that possible? Absolutely. Positively. Let's look at it in the Amplified. Be honest in your judgment and do not decide at a glance superficially by appearances, but judge fairly and righteously. The English version says stop judging by external standards. And judge by true standards. John 7.51 goes right along with this. And it says, does our law judge a man before it hears him? And knows what he does. Have we been guilty of that? Have we been guilty of seeing the way someone lives? Or the way that someone's kids are? Or the way that someone acts? Or you know, it's difficult sometimes. I'll be honest with you. It's difficult sometimes when you go out. It's difficult to know if you're walking up to a Christian or a, a sinner. It's difficult when they're coming out of an R-rated movie that somebody's been laying around naked for a half an hour. It's real difficult. Or to be standing on the other side of the room and them talking about their family or their boss or slandering someone at church. Did you see that they sat in my seat today? that's my seat don't they know that's my seat <laughs> our family members that they won't take hold you try your best to get them to take hold of healing because you know they need it and you judge them because they won't go to church or because they won't get hold of prosperity and you have to pay their bills for them so you judge them what happens in those cases John 8 says that Jesus said that he judged no man after the flesh. Can you know a person's heart? Do you know it would be absolutely 100% wrong for me to sit in a movie theater and watch a naked man? Do you know for a person that may have just gotten saved, they may not know that? Do you know their heart? Do you know that if somebody stood out in front of the church this morning and was smoking? That most Christians would walk right past them and say, Did you see him? The nerve of him standing in front of the church smoking that way. Did you see him? Did the Bible say, Christians? Um, if I see you smoking, cast you out? What did he say? If I say you slandering. I didn't write it. Because we're supposed to know better. We don't know that person's heart. And what you're doing, talking about that person, in God's eyes, He knows your heart, is more serious to Him than that person standing outside the front door smoking a cigarette. But you've judged Him. And not judged yourself for turning and saying, did you see what he was doing? Did you see that top she had on? You could see clear down to her navel. (laughs) Well, maybe it ain't a sin for her. You don't know her heart. You don't know if God's condemned her about that. You don't know if she's had a check in her spirit about wearing that. I've seen people. I've seen people go to camp meeting at Ramah. I've seen them come in there with their bellies cut out. They're saved. But you know what? I knew they didn't know better. I knew who they were. And I knew they didn't know better. But now for me to go to camp meeting with my belly cut out with a diamond shape, would that be okay? But what is God looking at? Your heart. And does your heart condemn you the moment that you start to pass judgment on somebody? Couldn't they dress better than that when they come to church? Did you see them? They didn't even comb their hair. Brother Hagin used to pick on me all the time. We'd get in a tense situation. I mean, we'd be in front of some ministers that were real nervous because it was Brother Hagin. And he'd either he'd either do this. Come here, Dave. Watch. He ain't going to like me anymore. He'd take the back of my arm like this and he'd go, see, it hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so uh, I'd hit my knees like this and he'd look at Keith and he'd say, Keith, can't you make her behave? He'd do it every time. Every time I, had, I kept the whole time, Brother Hagin, we were around him. I kept black and blue marks all up in, back, in the back of my arms. And then he'd say, things would get real nervous again. He'd say, anybody got any change on them or, or dollars or anything like that? And he'd put his hand out like that. Now, we're in front of ministers and pastors that are nervous because he's there. And he'd say, anybody got any money? Well, of course, it's Brother Hagin. They're going to start pulling out their money. He don't know why they're asking this. He said, I think we need to buy Phyllis a comb. I would take it and it would make the people relax just a little bit. You know, so we as people should be that way. We should be people that are constantly trying to make people feel comfortable. Do you believe Brother Hagin was a man of God? Do you think it was his heart that people come up to him and they're a nervous wreck? No. No, he never would, it bothered him that people felt, he said, I'm just a man. And he'd get up and he'd tell you that I can't heal a fly's eyeball or a gnat's wing or however he used to say, a gnat's wing or a fly's eyeball. I can't do nothing. But he meant he was going to try to make people feel comfortable being around him. And that's the way we should be. And that's the way Faith Life Church will be. We'll make every person around us no matter what they're doing i don't care if they're shooting up in the bathroom we're going to love on them we're not going to judge them we know that that's hurting them but it's also hurting you to talk about people more than you know it's also hurting you to cheat on your taxes it's also hurting you to lie it's hurting you But are they coming and judging you, looking you square in the eye? Most people don't even know what you're doing in your heart. It's your heart. Your heart that's the main thing that you have to answer to God with. If their heart is clear and they're smoking a cigarette, that's between them and God. And Jesus himself said he was not going to do what? Jesus himself said he was not going to judge them, so why should we judge them? We're some superior person. We've got it all together and we never do anything wrong. I tell you what, I have a hard time keeping myself out of trouble, much less trying to judge somebody else that they might do something wrong. I'm not into that. We can't. We can't be. We can't be looking at people's outward appearances and seeing their orange hair and their tattoos and their earrings and say that they're not a Christian. Because they might turn around and see you in the restaurant talking about the sermon I preached today and putting me down and say you're not a Christian. That's just the way it goes. I mean, they're looking, whether you want to... Keith used to tell me this, and it used to make me so mad. He'd, every time he told me, he'd say, Phil, you are an example. And I'd say, I don't want to be an example. Leave me alone. <laughs> he'd say, but it don't matter if you want to be one. You are one. People are looking at what you do. They're looking at what you say. They're looking at the way you dress. They're looking at the way you fix your hair. They're looking at how much makeup you wear. They're looking at every word that proceeds out of your mouth. They are looking. And not only at Phyllis Moore, they're looking at Gina and they're looking at Jason. They're looking at Barbara. They're looking at everybody. Everything you do. Because why would they look so intently? They want an excuse. They want an excuse as to why they are not going to become a Christian. And you just gave them one. Any of you know sinners that look for excuses? I, I just don't I, I don't. I work late on Saturday night, and, and I can't make it to church because I work late. Any of you heard any sinners' excuses as to why they don't go to church or get saved? There's a million gazillion of them out there. But where do they get those excuses from? You never heard a, a Christian say, "I work late and I can't go to church on Sunday morning." Never. That's why we're full in here this morning. Uh, Matthew, let's turn to Matthew. Let's turn to Matthew. Let's see what Matthew has to say about some of this stuff. Why is Matthew? Matthew says, he's talking about Christians, or so-called Christians. He says, Matthew fifteen eight. These people draw nigh unto me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but what? Their hearts far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. You get that, but let's read it out of this other Bible again. I think it's going to shed a whole new light on it for you. Matthew 15:8. Listen carefully. These people make a big show of saying the right things, but their heart isn't in it. They act like they're worshiping me, but they don't mean it. They just use me as a cover for what teaching so ever suits their fancy. does that say that make it plain to you they use him have you ever seen a Christian use Christianity to make get something that they want sickening Romans 2 nineteen y'all don't like this I know but we still' it's, That's like like Keith says, everybody needs to hear from Mama every once in a while. And Mama says, quit doing that to me, to me. I've done it. I've judged people. I've said, can you believe that church does it that way? Why would they do it that way? Well, that's stupid because God told them to do it that way. It's dumb for you to judge. You don't know their relationship between God. Why did they sing that song? Judge them. Don't they know that's not even scriptural? I've done it. Hey, you know me. I'm going to tell you. I've done it. Nobody in here has to raise their hand. Nobody in here has ever done things like that. You know? But if we got a clean house, guys. we got to get our hearts right. If we're going to expect God to use us in the way He needs to in these last days, if we're going to be the example to the world that we need to be, we can't be doing the very things that they're doing and expect them to want God. People don't understand why they're not blessed. People don't understand why they're not healed. Let's read on, that got quiet. And are you confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, Romans 2:19, and a light of them which are in darkness? Are you confident that you're a light, a candle in the darkness? An instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes which has the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou, therefore, which teaches another, teachest thou thyself? Thou that preachest, a man should not steal. Do you steal? Thou that says a man should not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, do you commit sacrilege? Thou that makest a boast of the law, through breaking the law dishonorest God. Pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? It dishonors God when we as Christians preach to someone else. Paul says, I keep, I beat my body black and blue. Some translations say, lest when I preach to others, I myself would be a castaway. This says, are we preaching to other people? And telling them what they should do. And all the while going in our house doing things we shouldn't do. Turning on our computers and looking at porn. Abusing our kids. Divorcing and leaving our spouses for other people because we had an affair. Are we telling the world they shouldn't be doing that? But all the while. All the while, we got to clean out under our own fingernails. It says, are we doing these things that dishonors God? Not Keith and Phyllis Moore and not Faith Life Church, but the God that you've given your life and heart and soul to. It dishonors Him when you preach to someone else and you don't do it yourself. Preach what they should do. Matthew 7, 1. And you guys, I'm going to be closing pretty soon here, so. Matthew 7, 1. This is pretty tough, this next part, but listen to it. You know, there were so many scriptures on judge, I had to start deleting things about us judging sinners and about us judging the world. Matthew 7, 1 says, judge not. And why wouldn't you? That you be not judged. That's why this is so important to me this morning. I don't want any person in here to be judged. What happens when you're judged? What happens when somebody's in court and they get judged? They get punished, right? They get a sentence, there's judgment. There's things that come along in their life that should not have come along. There's things that happen to them. I mean, then what happens to them when they get in prison? Do they change? I mean, do do they get harder? Do they get abused? Bad. It's bad. What happens to you when you get judged? Things quit going so good for you. Things start happening that shouldn't be happening to you. You get in places you shouldn't be because you're judged. This is the next part. I, you know, we read this next verse in line with giving. Everybody in here knows it, but look at what it's with. For with what judgment you judged, you shall be judged, and with what measure you meet, it shall be measured. To you again. So if you're judging people big time, what's happening to you? You're getting judged big time. Same amount. If you made fun of that person standing outside smoking, or you made fun of that person doing drugs, or you made fun of that person and judged them, then you're being judged yourself because you're supposed to know better. You're supposed to love the world. To get them saved. You're supposed to be an example to the world. Jesus did not leave the world. He ministered to the world. The world's sick, as he said, and they need a physician. So we are to be their examples. We're supposed to be their light. We're not supposed to preach, do as I say, not as I do. Parents, does that work? What happens when you tell your children, don't smoke, but you smoked all your life? 98% of them is going to smoke. What happens when you tell your children don't drink and you drank all your life? Most of them's going to do it. What happens when you ch- tell your children don't lie, but they see you lie? Oh, a little white lie won't hurt. It'll be all right. They're going to do what you do. They're gonna, you're going to be the example to them. First Corinthians 13. I mean, First Corinthians 11:31. same thing it's so much i was amazed at how many scriptures there were about this it is strong to god for there to be so much in the bible about it first corinthians 11:31. for if we judge ourselves what happens we will not be judged so can we judge ourselves this morning Can we repent for anything that we've said or we've done or we've slandered or we've cheated or we've crooked something or we've took the extra five dollars or we've taken money out of petty cash intended on putting it back or or we've talked about our mother or our brother or our sister or our employer or our fellow employee and stabbed them in the back so we could get that real estate sale or we could get that promotion or we could sell that this or we could do that, right? If we judge ourselves... I heard something and, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, but um, the other day I heard this testimony and it just blessed my heart so much because this person real quickly judged their self about something. We I heard a testimony about some people that were having problems to pay their taxes or their property taxes or something on their land and they were caught between, in a twix between two, you know. Um, They said if they pay their tithes or give their tithes or sow their tithes that they can't pay their property taxes. But they judged their heart immediately and said, no, if I give my tithes, God will provide my property taxes. The next day someone came up to them, I think they said, and gave a thousand dollars. Was that right? The next day. Now that's God. But we have to judge ourselves in these things. And it's so much easier for God to be able to do something good for you when you've not judged somebody else. We have to examine our own hearts. I can't know Fred's heart. I can know his outward being, but unless God reveals it to me, I can't know if what he got up here and said about me this morning was really his heart. It was words. But in true reality, I don't know that he goes out the door and talks to Miss Joan, Did you see what she said this morning? Did you see how she said... Was she talking to us? Was she trying to say something to us? Why didn't she just come to us and say it? I don't know. I don't know what people are saying about me behind my back. But I learned a long time ago not to care. But I do know this. God knows his heart. And he knows that when he walks out of here, if his heart was sincere and he was receiving it sincerely, or if he was looking at a reason to make an excuse to do what he's doing. Don't look for excuses. Look for Scripture. If we judge ourselves, we won't be judged. We can stand on that. That's God telling us that. If we judge ourselves about saying, that song is not Scripture, or, why are they singing it? If I judge myself because I go to a church and travel somewhere, and they're singing some song about... uh, uh I don't know, something that I don't think is scriptural. And um, I sit there on the front row and I judge them for singing that song. I am more guilty than they are. Because they don't know any better. God has not judged their heart about not singing that song, or I would trust that they wouldn't sing it. But I'm the one that's judging them, not them. They're just trying to worship God. The best they know. Every one of us in here has got things. The Amplified says it real clear. And then we're going to stand up and we're going to repent about some things this morning and and uh, get our hearts clear. Because I want, I hope you understand the point behind this this morning. I want, I drive on my motorcycle and I go through places that the houses are falling apart. And they don't have food to eat. And you can tell they don't have clothes to wear. You can see the little kids praying out in the yard, or playing out in the yard. And I pray every time I go by them, Lord, send them to the church. Why do I pray that? So they can get set free, so they can get light. I'm not just saying this church, but evidently the church they're going to is not teaching them about prayer, prosperity or their house wouldn't be falling apart. So I can claim them to get some truth. The reason I'm telling you this morning is we're believing for houses and lands and debt reduction. We're believing for children's buildings and youth buildings and all sorts of stuff for the church. But how do we get those things? By judging ourselves. So the devil has no... You know what happens in those things when you don't judge yourself and you go to say, Lord, I need this money to pay my taxes on my land tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give my tithes and um, do what I need. I, I'm not going to get my tithes, so I'm going to use this money, you know. What happens immediately? Condemnation comes in. Immediately. When you do something that you've judged somebody else about and you go to believe God for something, immediately the devil is there to bring back to your remembrance you talking about somebody else. Are you judging somebody else? Are you saying something that somebody else did? I mean, y'all never noticed that? Every time you go to believe God for something, it's like the devil is immediately there to bring up something to your remembrance you did wrong. And if you haven't repented for it, you better get to repenting quick. That's why it says judge yourself. Examine yourself. Let's look at the Amplified. 1131. For if we searchingly examined ourselves, detecting our shortcomings, recognizing our own condition, we should not be judged. And the penalty decreed by divine judgment. But when we fall short, and we are judged by the Lord. We are disciplined and chastened so that we may not finally be condemned to eternal punishment along with who? The world. So if we examine ourselves, we won't be condemned with the world is pretty much what it's talking about. Cause the world cannot believe God for their finances. The world cannot believe God for their healing. They, they, That too many shortcomings. They don't have that promise. They don't have the covenant with God. But we can. So let's stand up this morning. And if you don't have anything to repent about, that's between you and God. I don't know your heart. I don't know what you said about that person or what you said about your mom or what you said about your sister or what you said about what they gave or what they didn't give or what you said about the car they drive I don't know. But I do know in my own heart, I have to, it's a continual thing. It's not something you're gonna do one time and be totally done, completely finished with today. It's gonna to be an everyday occurrence that you've got to zip it. And you can judge somebody without ever saying a word. You can. And we don't want to be that way at Faith Life Church. We want to be lovers. We want to be believers in people. You can come up from there. And the the reason that I didn't like that chair illustration is because God has never pulled anybody up. He's lived it before him. He's set his life as an example before him. And if we have the life that we're supposed to have as Christians, we're not going to be trying to pull anybody up. They're going to want to be where we are. And they're going to ask us how we got there. That's what happened at my job. Every one of those girls that I hired that wasn't saved. Guys that I hired that wasn't saved. Every one of them. I can stand here. They can see me on TV. Every one of them got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Every one of them. Not because I judged them because their life was a mess. But because I loved them. And told them things could be okay. Things can be better. And don't preach to them. Just say, you know what? It can get better. You don't have to tell them the way that it gets better is by them getting saved. You can just say, you know what? It can be better. Your life can be better. Things can be good for you. They can be different. Things can change so fast you won't even know what happened to you. You know what you're talking about. But all they want to know is somebody believes in them. Well, how does it make you feel when somebody believes in you? Oh, you know, it, it just puts you up on a pedestal a little bit when you, you, you feel confident, you feel encouraged when somebody believes in you. What will it do for a sinner that doesn't have the Holy Ghost inside of them that encourages them and believes in them or God that believes in them? All they can depend on is people. What will it do for the sinner for someone to believe in them as a person? God so loved who? The world, the world that he gave what? His only son. He so loved the whole world that he gave the most valuable and precious thing to him. If we love the world that much, and we love our friends and our family and our co-workers and people on the outside and people we see in the restaurant, we don't run to get in line ahead of them. We say, oh, that's all right, go ahead. We don't see how little we can tip the center waitress. We see how much we can tip the center waitress. We don't see that we can run in and get the parking place before they do. We say, oh, they can have it. They may be having a bad day. Glory to God, I love the Lord. Everything's okay with me. I'm happy. i got time to walk. I'll just praise God while I walk. Those are the things that people are going to begin to notice in your lives. We here at Faith Life Church have got the most wonderful... That's why people wonder, yet some of the new people and visitors may not understand this, but why I say I'm God's favorite. Everybody, the church people know it. Because I say I'm God's favorite because he sent all of you people to us. I mean, our first service, we were just overwhelmed with people. Well, God, I'm favored of God, but you're favored of God. And when that favor is on you, you can be a witness like you've never been before to anyone in the world. You can be the channel. You can be the laborer that grows across their path that they don't even know. And all that might come up in the conversation is you go to Faith Life Church Oh, well, I hear those people over there are very kind. They're very sweet. They're loving. You know, I heard that they gave away stuff in a big tent, everything you could think of. And they invited everybody to come, not just their church members. Why do we do that? So that we can just bless each other beside us. We can do that all year long. And it happens all year long. I get amazed. I mean, I get amazed that um, I think it was you guys that uh, an elderly man. You bought his dinner or something like that. Not too long ago, um, um, he wrote He wrote in a testimony. I, Nancy probably remembers the testimony. Was that who it was? Yeah, she probably remembers it too. He had, He was like in his 70s or something like that. No one in his whole lifetime had ever bought his lunch. In his whole lifetime. I got two testimonies last week from someone. For the first time, they've been in the ministry over 20 years. And for the first time, someone bought their lunch... And put gas in their car. Two different things that week. And they were just shouting. Do you know that that's $20 probably? Do you know how you can change someone's life with $20? With a sinner's life in a restaurant? We are here to love the world, not to judge the world. We cannot pull ourselves apart from the world. We are in the world for a purpose. It's real easy just to hang around Christians all the time. And I'm not saying that everybody should go in the bar tomorrow and start witnessing. That's between you and God. If you were drunk, I probably wouldn't suggest it. But um, I am saying every day on your job, you're going to come against sinners. Every day, are unbelievers, you're going to come up against them. In a restaurant, in a grocery store, Every day. What would it do to a non-believer if they were in the grocery store line? I've done it. And they don't have the money to pay for their baby's food and this kind of stuff. And you just reach up and pay for their bill. They just look at you like you have absolutely lost your mind. Why would you do that for me? You don't even know me. Because God loves you. He died. He sent his son Jesus and he died for you. You don't have to tell him that, but you know it in your heart. And God keeps good records. So let's this morning, let's close our eyes. And let's lift one hand up to the Lord and let's be repentant about anything that we can think of. If we've talked about someone, if we've judged someone about how they spent their money, if we've said something about someone that we shouldn't have said, and let's ask God for His mercy that we don't be judged. You know, that's what you do do when you go before a judge and you've done something wrong. You say, I've done it. But Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. So, Lord, this morning we do. Each and every person in here say this after me. Father God. I repent of judging that person or those people. I could not see their heart. Only you can see their heart. I judge myself now so that I'm not judged. And I fall upon your mercy that I'll be washed and clean because I've repented. You said if we are faithful, To repent our sins, you're faithful to cleanse us from them. So that's what's happening now. Cleansing. I'm free. I'm starting with a clean heart. Satan, you're bound. I can believe for that. I can have that. Because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ.